sourcing for innovation, making sense of the rapidly changing worlds of artificial intelligence, workforce development, and digital transformation. Hello, everybody. Episode 23 of the Sourcing for Innovation podcast. I'm your host, Adam Curtis. Um, first on the podcast, I believe a Catalyte alum for the first time. We're joined by Jamar Johnson, Director of Quality and Release Management, HR Technology and Information Strategy at Comcast. Jamar, good day to you. How are you? Good day to you, Adam. I am uh, living the dream. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Calling in from the Philly region, is that correct? That's it, the city of brotherly love. Uh, no big news stories going on there in the past week, week and a half as we record this on November 11th. So we'll just gloss, we'll gloss right over that part. Totally uneventful here, yeah. <laughs> Um, but really happy to have you on here today. Um, a lot of times on this podcast, we're talking with uh, current Catalytes, um, our management, maybe a, a partner or a client organization. This is really the first time I've had the opportunity to talk with someone who has gone through our program, um, not, to, not to call you out here, but a while ago. Let's say. I, yeah, we won't show my age. <laughs> so, sorry, I'm really interested to catch up uh, with you on what you're doing now. Uh, but before we get into the current day, I wanted to, to look back a little bit. Um, tell us uh, when you got involved with Catalyte uh, and really what you were doing uh, at the time. What was the young Jamar like learning and looking to get into the software development industry? I would say the young Jamar is still here, thanks to that, <laughs> but the younger Jamar, um, it's an interesting story. So I think I got involved with Catalyst around 2006, and prior to that, my full-time job, I mean, I was only 18 and, or 19 at the time, but my full-time job was teaching mixed martial arts. So I was a, a second-degree black belt, a level three certified instructor, and I taught mixed martial arts, and I thought that was going to be what I did for the rest of my life. My mother at the time, who I was living with, um, was a client of, of Cadillac, and she had a team of Cadillac consultants working for her. And one of them had suggested this, you know, really great program, and they teach you how to be a software developer, and they show you the ropes, and they find you a job. So she she mentioned that to my mother. My mother, um, in my mother's own unique way, you know. Asked me to. <laughs> she strongly asked me you're putting, to. You're putting air quotes around ask. Yeah, air quotes, exactly. She strongly asked and suggested that I, I take a look into the program. Um, so we did. So I went to, uh, I joined Catalyst. I went through the interview process. I, you know, I took the test, um, which at the time I just thought was sort of a regular sort of comprehension exam. Um, little did you I, know. Yeah, little did I know, right? Um, and then I, you know, I joined the program in his 20, I think it was 22 weeks back then, you know, it was a really fun, rigorous program. I learned a lot, um, made some great relationships with people that I still work with today, actually. Um, and it, it was great. And it, I mean, it really changed my life because, you know, if I had had things my way, I'd probably still be kicking and punching at a mixed martial arts school, which is still great. Um, but it definitely opened my eyes up to, to software and IT and, and information technology. And, um, you know, I definitely would not have had a career path that landed me, you know, at Comcast where I am had I not gone through the, the Catalyst program. I mean, yeah, we're sitting here in 2020 and 2006, really not that long ago in terms of history. But if you think back, that's pre-iPhone, which in technology terms is basically prehistoric. The whole idea of mobile wasn't a thing, much less mobile first, much less there's an app for that. So how were you viewing 
technology, software development, programming, coding, whatever you want to call it at that point in time, because it was it was there. It was, I guess, popular, but it didn't have the cachet or the the really importance, I don't think, that it does today. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, when I when I was when I had just started at Catalyst, you know, I, I think that I faxed in my application. You know, like I think so. And, and that's and that was many places at the time. Right. So I think um, when you think about where you were then and where we are now, how different things are. I mean, it, it's it's wild. It's really wild. And a lot of things you're talking about. Right. Because my job now is really more focused on, um, you know, the employee experience and less a customer experience. But a lot of what we're doing on the employee experience side is thinking about how we bring technology closer to employees, the way they experience it with everything else, the way they experience, you know, Amazon or with Netflix or with, you know, Uber or other organizations where it's sort of like everything is at the touch of your hands. How do we make that an employee experience? And it's, it's vastly different from 2006 when I had joined Catalyst. So again, like one of those things that's kind of crazy when you look back to where you were or where I was, you know, and now where I am and, and how the world has changed in that little bit of time. It's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, the, the idea, and we hammer this home a lot, is that we're trying to find people who don't know a skill, but know how to know a skill, know how to learn, know how to adapt. And that learning curve in 14 years for you has to be super steep in the industry. Like, tell us a little bit about that evolution and your constant um, process and moving forwards and learning how to adapt not only to new technologies, but as you mentioned, adapt to the ways in which people, your employees, are expecting you to to offer them those technology benefits yeah i think it, so it, i mean the first part of that is, is really around um always wanting to add value so finding ways to just add value right like there are certain things that you know i'll i know that i'm good at and other things where i know i need work and honestly software development was never something i thought i'd be any good at um and i got to be pretty adequate at it you know thanks for catalyst for getting me there um but uh, you know, over the years, when I when I got sent to Comcast as a consultant, I actually got sent to Comcast as a, an automation engineer, con, you know, consultant. So I wasn't doing it was software development, but it wasn't on a, it wasn't on a platform, it wasn't an application, it wasn't you know a UI or anything like that. It was really to help us figure out ways and more clever ways to test faster. But I knew the language, the programming language at the time we were using was VBScript. So I knew the language, so I was able to be effective there. And then it's really about saying, okay, like what are better ways to do this? I'm a little lazy. So being lazy helps, right? Because you try to figure out other ways to do things so that you don't have to do them over and over again. Wait, hold on a second. Hold on. I, I want to take a pause here. We have a mixed martial arts instructor telling me that he's lazy. That that does not compute. This doesn't add up. I know. Yeah, that's probably why I dropped out of mixed martial arts, though, in all honesty. But, I mean, it, it works because what it does is it, it teaches you to find other ways of doing things. Um, and I think, you know, people are often surprised that I work in software now because I think my personality doesn't necessarily lend myself, lend itself to what people think software engineers are, software developers are, um, and how we that are sort of generalized into not so friendly group of people. Yeah, you're, um, not, you're not that type A person with a hoodie who's pounded in Red Bulls and having soylent at your desk because you don't want to walk 30 feet to the kitchen. Precisely, precisely. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that because those are the, the brilliant folks and the rock stars who create all of this stuff. But I found a, a happy medium between the two spaces to be able to move back and forth. And, and, you know, people, when I interview for my job, like I said, I work in HR now, HR tech now, people always ask me, well, how are you going to learn HR tech 
And I was like, the same way I learned software when I didn't know software and the same way I learned high-speed internet when I worked on those products and when I worked on the video products, you know, it's, it's a matter of just being able to learn and understanding and recognizing the people that are um, subject matter experts and having conversations with them and, and learning and learning as you go. From those interviews, do you get the sense that people on the, the other side still making those hiring decisions have that, that mental block and not understanding if you haven't had previous experience in this, there's no way that you can learn this? Yeah, I, I think folks are getting away from that. Um, you know, Comcast, I, I'll speak specifically to Comcast, but, you know, Comcast is um, in, in large part a very traditional company. Um, and conservative company in terms of how we process things and how we think about things. And then in other cases, in other instances, they're very, very, you know, forward thinking. So I think sometimes we, as a, even as if you work in the software industry or the technology industry, you know, you're only as good as the last application you built. You're only as strong as the last UI you developed. Um, but I think now what we're seeing too, especially, you know, even, you know, good or bad with recent events, I think people are taking a more, um, open-minded look at talent and have been figuring out where we find people, you know, perhaps going to and exploring different locations, right? Demographics, right? Different geographic locations, different schools for talent. Sometimes even saying, hey, listen, we don't need a person who has a degree. We just need a person who knows how to think, you know, and this person doesn't know C-sharp, but they know Java and they'll figure it out, you know? So I think we're starting to see that shift in how people look for talent. I think people ultimately want to find people that they know they can work with, which I think is a huge and you know, an important skill. And the people that can learn and are, are hungry to learn and, and can be coached. What are the carrot and or the stick, um, I guess, rewards or scare tactics to get more companies to think along those lines in terms of expanding where they're looking, not relying on resumes, not relying on pedigrees, trying to find people like yourselves who have that exceptional ability. But if you slid a piece of paper across the interview table, it might not show up on that resume. Yeah, it's tough because, you know, one of the, one of the things that businesses are, are, are doing a better job and it gets better and better every day is really identifying the business case for having diverse teams, right? Because diverse, more diverse organizations generally just have a better bottom line, right? Like that's what the data shows. And as you start to see that get embedded more and more and ingrained into the company's culture, then it starts to, it starts to take a hold, right? Because some technologists might not necessarily equate the work that they do building a specific application to an end dollar amount, but the entire company does, right? So once that sort of mind or that, that mind share, that behavior and that, that that logic starts to permeate deep into the organization, then that's when you start to see um, managers start to make those kinds of conversations. And I also think too, and no ageism is meant by this at all, but as you start to get a younger workforce, their expectations change as well. They're expecting that they're gonna have more diverse experiences and more diverse you know, colleagues and, and, um, and opportunities and such. So I think that even more as we get younger software managers, because I remember when I started in technology, all the software managers were there in 40s and 50s, right? And then as I started to move through my career and having become a software manager at one point in my career myself, I was in my 20s, it's sort of one of those things that starts to come down. And as you have younger employees and younger people leaders, um, they're more likely to, to find diverse audience. So I think it's sort of the care is 
it's more like the stick is, you know, <laughs> people are looking for diverse experiences, so they want to join diverse teams. So you sort of have to say, okay, if I'm going to get diverse people to join my team, I've got to have more diverse people. And you get into that loop as well. Um, so I, I think, think it's just a good snowball effect at that point. Precisely, precisely. Yeah, and I think it will continue to get better. I think now there's more concerted efforts around finding diverse talent, which means if you are diverse talent, you're part of one of those diverse, you know, communities, and you're like, you're a hot commodity right now. <laughs> <laughs> And I think the other side of the coin, and I'd love to get your, your take on this, um, given also you do a lot of sort of public speaking and, and outreach, uh, there has to be some sort of perception issue as well to be able to see yourself in a particular role um, to even take that first step towards it. Absolutely. Comcast, Catalyte, whatever else can do outreach, but if someone doesn't see themselves or thinks, as you said, like this isn't a diverse organization now, I don't want to join it then you sort of get the drop off. So what do you say to people, you know, who are sort of in your shoes now where you were joining Catalyte, you know, not necessarily martial arts instructors, but people who aren't in the tech field, um, but who might have at this point an interest because they know the viability of the industry, they know the trajectory of the career path, they know its potential, but they just don't see themselves in those roles. Yeah, it's twofold because I think honestly, and you know, it's twofold because not everyone can be the pioneer, right? And some people don't want to be the pioneer. And I told them, and I don't necessarily know that I wanted to be one either. I was just, just looking for a gig and Comcast gave me one, um, you know, but I think there it's, it's everyone. It, once you get to a certain point in your career, you start to think, think to yourself, like, if not me, then who, right? And I think, you know, it's super, super important for people to have representation at all levels within the organization so they can see a career path for themselves. So I think a part of that is the, the, the responsibility of the organization. But on the individual, I think, you know, there's always gonna be a first person to do something and you're more likely, you know, nowadays to, to be offered that kind of opportunity. And I think it's great. And then you just sort of take it and run with it. Um, so I, I don't know, it's tough for me again, cause you know, I still consider myself young and I still have mentors who I look up to and I say, I need to see, you know, presidents and, and CEOs that are of color, those kinds of things. Um, but until we can sort of get the whole world around that, I think it, it starts It starts with grassroots and it starts with, you know, folks like Catalyte, you know, graduates who have an amazing opportunity um, and they can really be part of that change too. How much so I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think it does. And then I guess the flip side is your own personal experience. Like, like when you joined Catalyte and were taking the, the screening and going through the training process, you know, how much were you aware at the time of sort of these systemic inequities in, in technology? Were you, did you know that that was the case? Did, was that even on, you know, your radar at the time? Or has that become... Um, has the downfalls of the industry being publicized become a benefit for now fixing the problem going forward? So, I'll, yeah, I'll answer the first part. So I had no idea because I wasn't familiar with software at all. So and Catalyst, Catalyte, it was Catalyst at the time, but not Catalyte. Catalyte was really my first job outside of teaching with martial arts. So I joined and there were people of all ages and I mean all ages, you know, there were all genders, all ethnicities, all nationalities. Um, all orientations, you know, so I stumbled into what was a really, really diverse class. I'm like, oh, this is great. This yeah, is I'm like, oh, this is great. Yeah, this is the world. We are the world here, you know, so it didn't even phase me. And it wasn't until I got sent away as a consultant, you know, and, and ended my first 
um, billable job that I realized that there were these sort of inequities. I didn't realize at the time that they were you know, systemic, um, but I did realize that there were way more Asian you know, employees and way more men than there were any other demographic. And that was something that immediately I, I recognized um, but didn't understand what it was rooted in. But I do think, now to answer the other part of your question, I do think though that now the opportunity um, is in front of us and there's really a lot of change and a lot of, of more aggression around, um, um, it, maybe not aggression is not the right, but more, more pointed and more focused um, you know, initiatives to, to, to change that and, and make that better. Um, and I think where we can use technology to do that is even way better, you know, and so folks like organizations like Catalyte and others that are trying to do this and trying to help other companies get on board with that, I think is, you know, super, super cool. And having been at Comcast and being able to, to play various roles there at the company, especially as it relates to our DE&I efforts, you know, we see how there's changes that are happening to help um, bring more diverse uh, talent into the organization, but as well as elevating them once they get here as well. Yeah, explain a little bit more to me about, you know, what you are doing at Comcast in particular, you know, how you all are employing technology um, to create a more equitable, diverse, inclusive workforce. Yeah, so, so you mentioned earlier that, you know, I, I, I'm the chair for the Black Employee Network. It's an organization of about 11,000 employees at Comcast across the footprint. And there's 16 chapters based on, you know, the regions in which we have um, a customer population where we serve customers. Um, and they are focused really around supporting the business and working communities, communities and supporting each other. So they do a lot of work on um, professional development. They help with, you know, sort of talent acquisition and talent attraction initiatives by saying, hey, listen, we're looking at this Comcast. We've got, you know, all these people that are diverse here. Um, and then from a community perspective, you know, volunteering, you know, doing school restorations, you know, food banks and food drives, donating clothes, um, you know, one of the great things that we do, um, we have an organization called Bengineers. So you think of like Black Employee Network as Ben, and then we have this particular group called Bengineers, which are software organizations, essentially our black talent. We had two guys that came to me when I was running the Black Employee Network, and they said, you know, we're trying to get more black technology folks engaged with ERGs and engaged in the company. What can we do? And I said, well, let's pull you all together. That's the least you can do is run a report and say, who are all our black engineers? So we pulled them together and they decided the first thing they were going to do was a lab week project. So seven of them got together. Um, it was the first time in the company anything had ever happened, you know, anything like it had ever happened. And they presented, you know, a product, um, you know, recommendation. And, you know, the head of our, our chief technology officer and the president of, of experience at Comcast, they loved it and, you know, have really been supporters of the group. And now they've grown to more than like 200 members. Um, and they go to, you know, they do lab weeks together, they do, you know, coding uh, activities together, they do code reviews, they do mentorship, um, they do code, coding days at the one of the local schools in the Philadelphia area. So every month, a handful of them run over to the school and um, this middle school, um, and they teach like STEM courses or STEM subjects and things of that nature. So it's been really great. They got a lot of attention. They won an award, a technically Philly award. Um, for being a culture builder of the year last year. So it's been cool. And I think those are the kinds of things that Comcast is doing to create A, that representation, right? So that when people are looking at Comcast, they see that there's black technologists here at all levels. And then internally, there's a, now a pipeline because they're nurturing and they're developing and growing and connecting and sponsoring one another. Um, and then it also just 
offers a more diverse, um, you know, uh, lens on, on the work that we do and the products that we serve. And it's super important that you have a diverse lens, particularly in a company like Comcast that serves everybody, right? There, we don't have, you know, some brands have focused demographics, some clothing, you know, clothing brands have a certain age group or a certain gender or, you know, certain income, you know, Comcast and Xfinity and those brands, they serve everyone. So it's important that we have people working on our products that reflect the people that we serve. I think that's a great way to put it. Um, oftentimes the pushback you'll get is, you know, what, what, why does diversity matter? Like why do this? If someone can code, they can code. It doesn't matter what they look like, what they sound like, how old, young, gender, sexual orientation, whatever. But that, that example of having people who understand and can reflect the, the mindset, I guess the, the all encompassing word I can think of for yeah. your customer base is going to make you a better, more, responsive company and, and Comcast sense again, very broad customer base um, in the sense of, you know, a more, <laughs> and one of the greatest fails, the, the, the AI for uh, automatic syncs didn't work for darker color skin. Why? Well, because everyone who was developing it was <laughs> white, didn't have much right. melanin in their skin. Mm -hmm. It was a big oversight. So yeah. have, having that representation, not for the sake of having representation, but having it for the sake of a better company, a better performing company, a better uh, and more responsive company, I think is a great way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even an example like Comcast, you know, we have the Xfinity voice remote, right? It's like everyone's favorite Xfinity product is a voice remote, right? But we found through the research and after we launched it that it doesn't really work that well with female voices. Interesting. Right. So we went to our women's network employee resource group, sort of the, you know, one of the counterparts of the black employee network, and we asked them to participate. But that's also because, you know, at the time we didn't have sort of a great product and software gender diversity. Right. So those are the kinds of things. It's just really important because it, it, when, and it's always interesting to me because Adam, you brought up a point when people, when hiring managers like, oh, if you can code, you can code. And it's like, but we're, we, we should be hiring more than just programmers and coders and developers. We should be hiring people who are also thinking about the long-term impact or the downstream impact of the work they're doing. So I'm writing this function or this class or this whatever today, like what is this translated to down the line? And then that, you know, and then a more informed developer makes more informed products and more informed products are, are, are service, you know, customers better. Yep. How do you keep up the momentum with these initiatives that have to be so powerful when you have a group of people together in now our remote work times? Are there you know, specific online meetups that you have done? How do you keep that both camaraderie and support up if someone feels already a little bit isolated being a member of minority group and now physically isolated from that support network as well? Yeah, I mean, so the, the, the key thing that we have at Comcast are our employee resource groups, and they do a fantastic job of really keeping folks engaged. Microsoft Teams is the big thing that we're using across the company right now, across the entire enterprise. So they have, you know, I've seen things like what you would expect, like, you know, the virtual happy hours or the virtual coffee meetings and those kinds of things. I've seen people do, um, you know, they do like binge worthy sort of events. So everyone will like on a Wednesday, will go in and talk about sort of one program that they've been binging on and you get a great conversation around that. Um, Comcast has also done some investment in some minority owned startups that have virtual um, hangout and, and event capabilities where a lot of people to do like virtual um, escape the room type of events or virtual yoga type things. Um, so that's sort of on the employee resource side, which is like, a, you know, a, a volunteer organization 
that's just really there for engagement and opportunities that I talked about. But then moreover, I sit on the, the DEI, DEI leadership team, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion leadership team, or, or council, excuse me. And that's really the organization, the company saying, okay, Comcast is taking this seriously. And we have established sort of four focus areas that we're going to work on. And this is the team of folks that are going to go off and, and figure out what our, our, our um, opportunities are, listen to employees, get their feedback, hear what they're saying, listen to our customers, hear what they're saying, listen to the communities to hear what they're saying, and then create action plans and then implement and you know, execute those plans. So my focus is on the people and culture side because I sit in HR and I chair the National Black Employee Network. Um, but we're focused there also on, you know, our customers. What are we doing in our small business um, segment? What are we doing for um, our platforms? If you take X1 and, and Flex and those sorts of things and other um, platforms and brands. And then lastly, what are we doing in our communities? So there's a council of people that are focused on that. I spend probably half of my week thinking about that and doing that. And then the other half is what they pay, actually pay me for. Um, but it's great because we are... What I love about it is, you know, a lot of initiatives um, without proper leadership and proper measurements of success sort of fall flat. And this is one of those things that if it falls flat, you really are more likely to hurt yourself than help yourself um, because people lose faith. They think, you know, your, your commitment to certain things are, you know, disingenuous or, or, or inauthentic. Um, so it's important that you have the right leadership around this. And we actually have one of the presidents of our companies actually leading this initiative. Um, and we have made a focus on it, sort of the way we shifted to customer experience or we shifted to, to focusing on broadband. And it's really been a big, big thing for the company that I'm just really, really happy to have been a part of. If you can make it a business imperative and show the business benefit of it, it's going to have a higher priority than if it's just a, a nice to have in almost any Absolutely. case. Yeah, we always say that everyone speaks, everyone speaks the color green. Yeah. Right. So like if you can, like, no matter what language you speak, no matter where you sit in the company, you always speak the color green. If we can talk about how this is revenue, you know, re revenue generating or, or cost savings or what have you, um, that really, really helps it stick. And those are the places where you would, you would show it on your PML. But I think what's really feels good about this too, though, Adam, is the company is really doing this because it's also the right thing to do. Um, and you feel a huge, huge sense of that, like this is what's right, this is what's equitable, and this is what we want to stand for. This is this is the stance that Comcast is making, and that's what really, really feels powerful about it. Yeah, we've started to use the term uh, DEIQ, so diversity, equity, inclusion, and quality. Because a lot of times, the those first three are plucked aside, and quality is something different. When we're really trying to show that, no, it's all the same. It's the same bar. There's not a different bar for hiring diverse than it is for hiring for quality. You can do good by doing well. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a really, really great call. I love to hear that. Putting on the, the HR hat for a second, is there maybe a silver lining in all of this work from home in expanding the diversity of a workforce geographically. We, we hear a lot, especially during this last election cycle about sort of the forgotten parts of America, being able to give people in economically depressed locations, whether they be inner cities or whether they be Appalachia, the Plains, the Rust Belt, wherever, the opportunity for a chance in the, the 21st century economy. Um, is there a way in which we can use technology to sort of better 
um, assist those demographics and to create a more diverse workforce now that being in a physical location uh, at the moment is impossible, but might not take on as much importance in the future? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I tell you one thing, like, one of the things that we're seeing at Comcast specifically is like we're seeing a lot more in Facebook and a number of other large tech companies have done this already, but like we're seeing a lot of like remote opportunities right now and you can work from anywhere. So I think that definitely opens up your game because a lot of time, a lot of times, you know, opportunity uh, while it's equal or, you know, while talent is equally distributed, opportunity isn't. Um, but op- that could just be because like you said, like I'm, I don't work in Silicon Valley. Right. Like, does that mean that I'm not as strong as a developer that you might find in Silicon Valley or you might find it at a graduate at MIT? You know, those kinds of things. Right? I just so can't like, pay the four thousand dollar rent. Exactly. Precisely. So it's like when you open that up, right, when you open, you break down that wall, right, when you break down that barrier, you definitely automatically get more opportunity um, for, for for more diverse hiring. Right. And you even think a lot of times people hire people that they know. So if you're only working with, or you're only hanging out with, you know, men, for instance, right? Then you're probably going to hire another man. When you break down that wall, it allows for gender diversity and other things as well. Um, abilities, you know, people of different abilities as well. Um, and then well, like, that, that's, that's yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that in terms of not having to rely on public transportation, assisted transportation, your own transportation, yeah. and having that expectation of, if you can do the work from home, do the work from home. That's, a, that's a great point, yeah. Precisely, yeah, that's a big thing. And we're seeing that a lot too, you know, because, you know, Philadelphia is, you know, an urban area and Comcast is right in the heart of the city. So that's another sort of thing that, that we're keeping an eye on as well. And then from a tech perspective, you know, companies have to, Companies have to t- sort of take a lead and take a stance and say, listen, we're going to help distribute the technology that people can use to do these sorts of things. And that's where like things like Internet Essentials, which is Comcast's, you know, high-speed internet for low-income housing, those kinds of things come into play, making sure everyone has access to the internet more broadly, right? Not just in our serviceable areas, but areas around the country as well, other areas around the country. So making sure people have access to the internet so they can even apply for these jobs. So, you know, a lot of interviews are, all interviews probably are being done virtually and, and, and different phases of it too. Sometimes the application process of your initial interview screening is now done by a recording, right? So making sure people have access to that technology and having the resources that they have. And then the physical, the hardware themselves, right? Are people giving the hardware themselves and being able to do that? Um, and making sure people, again, can access the internet, whether it be at home or Comcast is doing lift zones which is another great thing that they're doing around the company. They're targeting, I think, 200 by the end of the year and then 2,000 by the end of the, end of the next year. Um, you know, having peace places where people can go connect to the internet, get help with their, you know, their software and things of that nature. I think that's where technology and internet, and having access to the internet really starts to, to um, bring equity to the, to the entire situation. Uh, so Jamar, um... Thank you so much for your time. I want to give you out here on this one last question. Um, we could probably do another 35 minutes on this, but when, when, when you are ruling uh, Comcast, if not the world, you know, what, what are a couple of your things specifically um, that you would institute to be able to create a more equitable tech industry? Oh, that's a good one. Um, first, I think um, the idea of comprehension and, and being able to measure a person's potential and, and, and learnability, if you will, what is their ability to learn and grasp new concepts, that would be the gate by which anyone was hired, 
right? We want people who can learn, um, but also are able to think on their own and think, you know, proactively and think um, critical, think critical, sorry, think critically. Um, you know, so I think that would be the first thing. That would be the gate for any sort of interview, right? You've got to sort of, we'll screen you through this process if we think that you can learn and we think that you've demonstrated a high capacity to retain and exercise and execute and all those sorts of things. That's the first gate. Then I think the second gate is, who are the people doing interviews, right? Those people, that must be a diverse audience, right? It's got to be a diverse audience. It's got to be, when I say diverse, I mean beyond just gender and ethnicity and identity and all those sorts of things, also functionally, right? We want people who, because this goes back to the earlier point that I made, um, you know, are we asking the right questions of our folks? And yes, it's important that a person knows how to write code and be a great software developer, but they do, do they understand the impacts of their work? And that's when having a diverse panel helps you get there. Are you asking your program managers for their insight? Are you asking your financing for their insight? Are you asking your HR team for their insight on candidates to make sure the candidates will work well and fit and understand sort of long-term long term and downstream? And then the third part of it is like, as you say, with my HR hat on, you got to pay people like really good. <laughs> you know, like that really, really helps, right? And you got to pay, you got to pay competitively, and that should be based on the need, the skill set, and what's what's um, you know at market. And a lot of times, you know, underrepresented or, or marginalized, you know, demographics are not given their market value. And you have a lot of um, again traditional HR hiring methods in order to keep that pay gap, uh, you know, active and, and widening for, you know, asking for a previous salary or, yeah. you know, asking them to name their own salary before coming into a position. Everything that if you already don't know your worth, you aren't going to ask for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Jamar Johnson, Director of Quality and Release Management, HR Technology Information Strategy at Comcast, also chair of Comcast Black Employee Network, and last but not least, a glorious Catalyte alum. Jamar, really, I really appreciate your time, this conversation. It was, it was awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Adams. I loved it.